launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous beat that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Sight. I must be louder. And site expert Stephen Kabitza. If it's a blowout, Monday's podcast is going to be a bummer. But if they win, it's going to be a party. This DJ is so funky, man. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Dog Pound Daily Podcast. I'm Andrew Sipes. With me, as always, Stephen Kabitza. Stephen, we've heard from Hugh Jackson. We've heard from Sashi Brown after the trade deadline debacle. I really don't want to get into it because it's only going to make me bad, but we do have some brighter news. We did hear from Josh Gordon today. What are your expectations from Josh Gordon moving forward? I just want to see him back on the football field. I have no statistical expectations or anything because he immediately walks into that room and is by far the best player on offense, let alone the receiving cores. I agree, but you know, is it somewhere in the middle of him wanting to be back in the NFL or, you know, I I just don't think he's really in it for the right reasons. If that makes sense. Like, I don't think he wants to be in Cleveland. And to be honest, I I don't blame him. Yeah. I, I can't blame any player for not wanting to be in Cleveland. Obviously now he's under contract because he's barely logged any time with all his suspensions. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he just wants to get back to football, honestly, based on what he said. Uh, Some people will be like, oh, he just needs money. It's like, well, that's probably true. But at the same time, this is how he makes money. Yeah, and I think at some point, you know, the Browns are 0-8, so you're not going to turn away a talent like that. You need to have something to give fans hope. And, uh, And as bad as Josh Gordon, or as much as he's let us down over the last three years, you know, maybe this is finally that time where he he's turned it around and he can be that player that we saw back in 2012. So uh, again, my expectations are that I want him to succeed and I want him to be better as a person. Unfortunately, I just don't think it's with the Browns just based on the GQ article outlining his previous time with Cleveland. But on the same hand, you know, the Browns have stuck with him and been loyal to him for the last or however many years he's been going through this. So who knows how it'll turn out in the end. I think the GQ article, which you're referencing where he basically said he was drunk or high before every game after every game. I don't think that was a knock at the Browns, like trying to get them to cut him. I think it was just him opening up and that's, that was a different group, different everything. So I don't think it factors into the front office's decision now, as long as he doesn't do it again. No, and I, I don't think Hugh Jackson, given the the wide receiving core he's been given for the first eight games, I don't think that uh, I don't think it's going to be something that Hugh Jackson is willing to turn down. So, again, I, I hope he comes in and, and makes an impact both off the field and on the field. If it's you know getting back, getting involved in the community in a positive way, or you know just finding ways to really rebuild the Josh Gordon brand that. I think is going to be beneficial for both sides because the, they do need each other at this point, the Browns and Josh Gordon. Yeah, the Browns, are current leading receiver this year is Rashard Higgins with 95 yards in a single game, which for some players is a first half or even a first quarter. So jo- Josh Gordon would beat, he would exceed that in the first quarter, I'm sure. You know, but that that is also saying that Deshaun Kaiser is going to be able to complete the ball to him. But on that same topic, you know, I think down the stretch of the season, it does give at least a little bit of hype towards what can Deshaun Kaiser really be? You know, he, we're going to get Corey Coleman back. Hopefully we'll have Josh Gordon against the Chargers. Is it the Chargers, right? Yeah, December um, 3rd. Okay, so that's a revenge game for the Chargers, obviously. They're not too fond of the Browns being Saddest their only— Saddest revenge game ever. 
Yeah, for the Browns, hopefully it's a game that they'll be competitive in. But, you know, I, I think that's a good opportunity to get a look at Deshaun Kaiser because he he hasn't been given much to work with, and I know that's been a knock on him, but he also hasn't done much to prove anything outside of, you know, throwing interceptions in the red zone. So hopefully we get a, a, a better look at what Deshaun Kaiser can really be. It'll be interesting, too, because Gordon can't even practice with Kaiser for a few weeks. He can only work out, be at the uh, you know meetings and whatnot based on his reinstatement. So when he comes back, it's going to be like it was in 2014. He's just showing up, be like, all right, you had a week of practice, two weeks of practice, time to play. But to your point, Deshaun Kaiser having someone with talent will show if he's actually capable of being a good quarterback because right now it is just – you could put, put a lot of quarterbacks in this system right now and they wouldn't fare well. Guys are dropping passes. Your number one guy's hurt, Kenny Britt. Nowhere to be seen, literally. You know, I actually, I, I would actually tend to disagree with that statement. Um, if you look at, I mean, I've just been looking at the Browns over this bye week as as what is next. There's been a lack of accountability both from Hugh Jackson and Sashi Brown. You know, just that whole press conference really irked me because there was no accountability for the mistakes that they've made. They said it was their fault and their evaluation, but again, they were like, we still felt that trading back was the best option. You know, or good teams pass on quarterbacks all the time. NFL teams passed on Russell Wilson two and a half times. Like that doesn't excuse you from passing up on a position that we've known is an issue for the last twenty freaking years. So I'm done with hearing about how they've made all these creative trades. I'm done hearing about how from Hugh Jackson, how these guys come into practice and work hard every week. There's no accountability on the field, off the field. And I just think it's time that either they find a way to work it out or it's going to be a complete rebuild again. But now that we're off that note, looking at it (laughs) from a more positive note, I do think that this roster, while it is not as talented because we've been kind of caught up in the 0 and 8 and the 1 and 23. It's not, you look at that and you automatically think that the roster is not as talented. But you put a guy like Kirk Cousins under center and he just, he, he would instantly make this team at least a six or seven win team. You know, he, he, there's a good offensive line. You have the, if you throw money at Kirk Cousins, that opens you up to draft a guy like Saquon Barkley. You get Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, even Kenny Britt. I don't know why he's still on the team, but you know, that's another complimentary piece maybe next year if we're looking at a new quarterback. So this team is not that far off and we haven't even gotten to the defense. You know, I, I'm curious what this defense would actually be able to do if given a lead. I mean, I agree a, cor- a quarterback like a cousins or insert any name like a Garoppolo would help. But I mean, there's been games this season where the defense, while they've played well some weeks they just got torched so I don't know really with the receiving core just the offense in general the lack of a running game and I know a better quarterback opens up the running game a bit more but I don't know I think well it just goes back to the fundamentals of what we talked about early on in the offseason I mean they just don't have a quarterback to complete the football they don't have a receiver that can just move the chains you know they have David Njoku who's been a really good you know, in, in a small sample size, he's been very good, but they, they're just not utilized enough. And maybe that's something that'll change over the bye week. But you talked about things that you're looking forward to seeing or things you want to see coming out of the bye week. And it's got to be getting their playmakers more involved. And if Deshaun Kaiser is able to complete, actually complete the ball to them and not to the other team, that's when we may start to see some of that progress that we've been longing for, at least so far in the first eight games. I agree. It's just, I, I think the issue is we've talked about it a bunch. It's 
when you're zero and eight, it's hard to be like even pick out positives. But I think the bye week did help us take a step back, even with that press conference. <laughs> be like, you know, there are things to build upon, but ultimately, winning is the only thing that's going to change. They could be four and four right now. All this nonsense could be happening. I'd be like, oh well, you know, at least at least they're winning games, like the Jets. I mean, the fact that they were eight, the Browns gave away Josh McCown and I'm sure we were okay with it at the time because we figured that there was probably a better option coming along and and maybe we thought that was Deshaun Kaiser but I mean just looking at at where this team is at now and this doesn't mean you have to get rid of Deshaun Kaiser either it's if you bring in a veteran quarterback like a Kirk Cousins I mean that's my number one target at this point you can still keep Deshaun Kaiser on the roster and it's it as bad as this front office has been and as bad as Hugh Jackson has been, I mean, if they're given one more year just because Jimmy Haslam wants to keep continuity for continuity's sake, if as long as they get a quarterback, I think that's what's going to make a lot of these problems disappear. But at this point, can you really trust them to draft that quarterback, seeing as how they've passed on four or five of them already? My theory is that they always planned on taking a quarterback in this draft class. But to that point, I say, well, why did you take Deshaun Kaiser? And Kessler, I, I think they always saw the Darnold Rosen and all the other guys. Draft class is the big one, but they kind of made weird moves along the way. So with that being said, if, if your theory, which makes sense because I thought of it that same way too, you know, Sashi Brown talked about, this offseason being huge, it leads me to believe that that this is the season where they will address that quarterback position. I understand that that losing is is brutal and it, it's taxing on a coaching staff and front office and ownership as we've seen. I just don't understand how you can wait that long to do that. Like it really goes to show that when you find the you have to find the quarterback first and then build the team around it versus trying to put other pieces around it and then drop the quarterback in because we as we've seen so far that just doesn't work. Yeah, it's tricky because if they do land someone in this draft, say they take any any quarterback, number one, I'm assuming they'll be number one, or number two overall, and the quarterback's great, it's the guy, they're going to be heroes. It's going to be, oh, they just, you know, they like a classic movie trope of everyone hated them at first, and then, oh, they were heroes after this, they made the right decision. But by doing this, you're really banking on the fact that you're going to land a guy in 2018 when there was guys to take 2016 and 2017 who are just as good. We hammer about the, them passing on Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. And if it was just that they were taken at the top of the draft and the Browns had no shot, it would have been fine. Because then the argument would have been, well, we didn't think they were worth giving up all those picks. And okay, I guess you can you can rationalize it any way you want. But the fact that they had both of those picks and then traded out, not to mention the fact that they gave the Texans, not only did they take $16 million off the Texans' payroll, they gave them a franchise quarterback. I mean, for a team that doesn't have a quarterback, they traded for a guy who is now paying or playing for Denver that's making a million dollars a week from the Browns to then Houston drafting a guy that had 19 touchdowns in his time leading the NFL. I mean, it it just completely makes the front office look inept. And obviously that's something we've been saying for quite some time. Like I said, we don't know it, what their evil plan is because right now the Texans might be a top 10 pick as well. So they could have a number one pick take a quarterback then take another position, but they got to get there first. And I think that's really why they're going to keep their jobs too. 
I think they're gonna be like, look, t- Jimmy has them and D has them. Like, we're gonna address this this year, and he'll be like, all right. But if we go one in fifteen or whatever again next year, then you'll be gone halfway through the season. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on something too. I know I mentioned Kirk Cousins is a quarterback on my list, but there's another name being floated around with a recent article. I, I'm not too sure who it's from, but the gist of it is that Jim, Ur- Jim Ursay thinks that Andrew Luck's um, uh, shoulder pain is more mental than physical. Tony and Dungy it, it, said this, I believe, on the Dan Patrick show, but it was an yeah. article about his appearance on that show. Okay. If that relationship starts to deteriorate to the point where they consider moving him, which I, they'd be crazy to do that, what would trading Andrew for Andrew Luck be something that you'd be willing to do? Like, how much would you be willing to give up for a guy like Andrew Luck? I believe Ken Carmen tweeted about this and said my entire family. <laughs> um, I kind of agree. I would. I wouldn't if they have the number one pick. I wouldn't do it because. But Why? maybe that second first round pick, just because if this injury thing is in his head or it's a lingering thing, that's kind of tricky. You don't want to get a guy who has the yips or is scared to throw. He's not scared to throw. I, I understand it might be mental, but again, that's just probably him knowing his own body. And, and Jim Irsay is not, again, we talk about Jimmy Haslam being a bad owner, bad owner. Jim Irsay is, is, is right up there with well, him. I think in Chuck terms Pagano of, uh, actually said this to Tony Dungy. Again, it's it's just one of those things where I, if you had the opportunity to get a guy like Andrew Luck, I would give up whatever both Houston and the Browns' first-round picks, none of the seconds, and then the first next year to do it. And I think that would be plenty, or hopefully that would be enough to get it done because you're not those kind of quarterbacks don't become available. Also, so I just checked. It was Jim Irsay, and he probably doesn't know Andrew Luck that well, so I'm going to say throw the draft at him. The whole thing. I Mike Holm, there was, I, I'm pretty sure Mike Holmgren offered the Colts uh, the Browns' entire draft the that 2012 year, and they said no, and rightfully so. I mean, I, a quarterback that comes out like that, I mean, they went from two and fourteen to the playoffs in three straight years when he's there. I know people have this thing that he's injury prone or whatever, but when that guy's on the field, he's one of the he's one of the most consistent player or consistent quarterbacks in the NFL and he's only 28 years old. So I think the last time we kind of ran into this scenario was uh, Drew Brees leaving the chargers and he had a serious shoulder injury. Uh, Nick Saban was in Miami at the time. They brought him in for a workout. I don't think he passed the physical and obviously Nick Saban ends up leaving. Drew Brees goes to the saints. You just look at, you know, one, one meeting like that changes the whole outlook of the NFL because Saban's now at Alabama because they were terrible or Miami was terrible. So now Saban goes to Alabama. They're the best college football dynasty. Drew Brees now with the Saints going to go down as one of the best passers of all time. So, again, if this opportunity presents itself, I think the front office would be dumb to not throw everything they have at it. And that would really be an all-in move. Because if he shows up and he's like, yeah, my shoulder's still messed up or whatever, then, you know, Haslam's going to say, well, what the heck was this? Why did we – then they that would really screw them. Not just their jobs, but the team. If they traded basically a whole draft – yeah, but he wouldn't. They wouldn't trade it without him passing a physical. Yeah. So I know. And again, I, I don't think it would be a draft day trade, you know, unless Andrew Luck is like cleared by doctors to resume football activities or whatever. That's not a that's not a draft day trade that happens unless the Browns have their hands on whatever injury you know is lingering around before that. But just an interesting tidbit of information that maybe that relationship is deteriorating and gives the Browns an opportunity to make a splash with some of that draft capital. They've been oh so, uh, oh so hell-bent on accumulating. 
Imagine if we're watching the draft next year, the Browns have the number one pick, and Goodell comes out and says they traded it, and everyone's freaking out. And then they're like, for Andrew Luck. We're like, oh, my God. I heard someone on the radio today say Andrew Luck is the is proof that you need to build the team before you get the quarterback. And I, I almost like drove off the freeway. I was like, what, what? I was like, what do you mean? They were two and 14. And like I said, I mean, he's, <laughs> he was one of the, he was a stud quarterback, he, he, regardless of what you think of the talent around him. Because Peyton was out too. That's why they were bad. Yeah. And I mean, you can't fault Andrew Luck for the talent that Grigson put around him. I mean, they drafted Philip Dorsett when I don't think they've drafted a defensive player other than Malik Hooker quite some time. I mean, their offensive line is terrible. The defense is less than stellar. They have a bunch of ex-Browns on the team, so I don't know what that tells you. And they went to the playoffs, too. The Browns never go to the playoffs, so I don't need to hear these. Yeah. I mean, the fact any anyone in their right mind who wouldn't trade for Andrew Luck at this time, given the recent quarterback play that we've seen, it, it almost goes back to the Jimmy Garoppolo stuff. because Obviously, Jimmy hasn't played nearly as much as Andrew Luck, but if you believe that that guy can be your franchise quarterback, I don't know how you can say that any price tag is like too much I mean going back to AJ McCarron too we have we have not had stable quarterback play for 20 years and is I don't care what draft capital it takes until we get that stabilized even for three just for three four years just have a guy in there whether that's drafting a guy number one this year or trading for or signing AJ McCarron whatever you know you've got to find a guy that just completes passes and doesn't turn the ball over maybe it's Cody Kessler I don't know it's gonna be interesting at the draft if they were dead set on Darnold and he goes back to school, <laughs> I'd go back to school too. But Or if they don't want to take Rosen, there's obviously several other prospects. But it's like, well, what happens if Darnold goes back to school and the Browns have the number one pick again? Like, I'm just going to go back again. Like, okay, we'll, I'm sure Sashi will still be there and freaking tank away for Sam Darnold. But again, these guys, if they're mentally strong enough to want to be be the best NFL quarterback you know that's the, the mentality that you have to have is that you're willing to go into that and be strong enough to lead a team out of the depths of hell which is what we've been in for god it feels like forever so again the, the fact that Johnny Manziel was the last I think the last quarterback to win more than one game is just it's it's a sad state of affairs it really is Let's move into talking about this Sunday before we end up with a three-hour podcast on Andrew Luck. Do you think there's any chance the Browns beat the Lions this Sunday? Oh, I, there's always a chance. What's uh, your Vegas, percent? 1%? 0%? I, I think the, the spread is 12, which is quite a bit not for the good. Lions. Uh, definitely not good for the Browns. I did hear that the public was betting on the Browns uh, quite heavily. but again, the bye I, week, Lions on a short week. The Browns don't cover, so I don't care. I mean, you can – have you seen – did you watch that game, that Monday night game? Stafford is just lighting it up. So I, I just don't see a way that regardless of how well the defense can play, their secondary is not strong enough, and, and they leave the middle of the field wide open far too much to uh, to let that go. What do you think? I think they're going to lose, <laughs> but I'll still be cheering them on, and that's the thing we say every week. We don't want them to lose. But at this point in time, Lions are a playoff team. And I just got to be realistic. I think it's interesting how we say, oh, maybe we'll catch them on a short week, blah, 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 off the bye week. But Lions fans are probably like, oh, we're playing the Browns this weekend? Double-digit win. Well, maybe they overlook. I mean, again, maybe the Lions will overlook the Browns. But 
the fact that the Browns are a good team against the run and the Lions don't have a good run, it kind of washes out. So that I would assume the Lions game plan is just to attack the Browns secondary anyway. And no matter how deep you can play Jabril Peppers, Golden Tate and Marvin Jones are just going to tear up that middle of the field. So again, I think the Browns won't cover. It's not going to be a pretty game, but we, what are your expectations on the offensive side of the ball? Because I know that's been just a a dismal part of the aspect of the game to watch up until this point. Well, I brought it up earlier um, with the fact that our leading receiver for a game this year is Rashard Higgins with 95 yards. And interestingly enough, they've had a different leading receiver in seven of the eight games. It's not good. It makes my head hurt. With last week's leading receiver being Isaiah Crowell with 54 yards. And 38 of that on one freaking shovel play. <laughs> um, but And then their high rushing mark this year was also last week, Crowell with 64. And then their high passing mark was against the Colts. Deshaun Kaiser had 242 yards. Haven't been over, haven't been over 194 since that week. So I'm just looking for some respectable NFL stats this week. Perhaps a 250-yard passing game, a 75-yard rushing game, and a leading receiver who maybe eclipses the 100-yard mark. Those are going to be my benchmarks for the rest of the year until they happen. That is, like, Stafford might throw for 250 before the half. And, like, the Browns are, like, our baseline is that we want the Browns to just get 250 for the game. I, again, <laughs> the fact that the fact that Hugh Jackson, being the offensive whiz that he was, and he was very good in Cincinnati, given he had Andy Dalton and AJ Green, Jeremy Hill, Gio Bernard, you know, that, obviously that's a good set of guys. But I, I can't, I can't, still can't get over the fact that he's not even scheming anything to help his rookie quarterback or his wide receivers out. You know, you you know that you're lacking in the wide receiver department. You have two tight ends, one very athletic and a playmaker in Duke Johnson. The fact that those guys don't see the field enough, it it just it, it furthers the frustration with this coaching staff because while Greg Williams is trying to do his job, the offense just does the defense no favors. I feel like Hugh Jackson this week to your point not really doing much to help the rookie quarterback. I think he's going to come out with a classic Hugh Jackson game where every formation is totally ridiculous, and they're going to run like eight flea flickers, uh, trick plays, and it's just not going to go well. And then after the game, it's going to be, you know, we wanted to try some new things. Like, well, we were down 10 points, and you ran a flea flicker on the goal line. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe it works. You know, what what if it works? There. The bye week is it almost kind of made me forget about the first eight weeks of the season and how bad they were. So it's almost like a clean slate. So I can imagine the players and coaches feel the same way. You know, it shortens down that season instead of a week eight bye is perfect because now we have a whole second half of the season to be like, okay, let's forget about that. You know, let's make the most of what we have left. So maybe, like we mentioned earlier, maybe we start to see some of that progression from Deshaun Kaiser. Maybe we start to see the running game start to, to materialize a little bit. Now with Joe Thomas out, it'll be a little interesting to see how Spencer Drango does in extended periods of time, but he he held his own against the Vikings. So again, it, it's just going to be, I'm really curious to see how Hugh Jackson changes from what he did in the first half of the season into the second half of the season. It's going to be interesting because we're kind of expecting some changes, but at the same time, it could just be the same old problems, and that would be that would be tough to watch. It's already tough to watch, but yeah, I mean penalties on the offensive side of the ball, just lack of mental focus. 
I mean, the fact that Kenny Britt's still on the roster, things like that, it's just it's it's so pu- puzzling to me that no one is held accountable and the fact that this team is still so undisciplined. I can't blame that on the front office. You know, that's all in the coaching staff. So that, those are the things I think that have to change more so than I think a lot of other things scheme wise, you know, you can't, it doesn't matter what scheme you run. You start off first and 15 every time, you know, you're not going to, you're not setting yourself up for success. Yeah. And that's kind of been lost in the narrative a bit about just all the mistakes the team's been making. It's all focused on quarterback play. Uh, he, I mean, Kaiser's been making a lot of mistakes, but just, just the things bad teams do, they just got to clean that up. But like you said, I do like the week eight or the week nine bye week. Mm-hmm. I think it's perfect for a team like the Browns because it's like a baseball team having a horrific first half. It's like, all right, we have nothing to lose. Season's over. <laughs> it's like Major League. Let's win the whole freaking thing. Except if the Browns win out, they'll still be just 8-8. Eight and eight. <laughs> I don't even care if they win out. Just I think they're going to fight because, obviously, they want to keep the coaching staff. Guys like guys that have been here, like Joel Batonio, they know – you know, it, it's not they're not immune to the fact that they know pr- changes are probably coming if they continue if they go 0 and 16 because you live with that forever. So, hopefully, this team stays hungry coming out of the second half. Again, it, it's not necessarily the the friendliest matchup against the Lions, but like you said, catching them on a short week with a week and a half to prepare, maybe something changes. But I, I, I the coaching staff has given me no reason to think otherwise at this point. So Sunday is going to be a fun game to watch. Hopefully. And we'll be watching it in a car ride. From Alabama. We will have it. That's why I watched it last week. I love the new technology where I can watch a game on my phone while not while I'm personally driving. But Oh, well. I'm, I'm going to watch it with headphones in and the shotgun and just, oh, <laughs> you're going to ask me what's going on. I'm not going to give you any updates at all. And I'm going to stay completely stoic so you won't know until the final score comes Browns out. Browns 149-0. <laughs> huh. Like, wow, that was really impressive. You didn't celebrate once. <laughs> Yeah, we'll be doing that. So our next podcast may not be till later in the week. Tuesday? Wednesday? Tuesday or Wednesday. If they win, we'll have to get some champagne to record it on It's going to be a party. We're going to do it Sunday night. It's going <laughs> to yeah, be the best podcast ever. If they ever. win, we won't be on Monday because we're going to be partying. Get a nice two, bottle, two bottles of Cook's champagne for like six bucks a piece and <laughs> drink them as fast as we can. Oh, so. I didn't know the champagne was twist off. <laughs> Only Cook's. Yeah, well... I think on that note, we should sign off for the week. We're hoping to be back after a win, which we're not expecting, but we're hoping. Um, Be sure to subscribe on iTunes so you can wake up to new episodes several times a week. And as always, thank you for listening.